They met again, a week later, in an art gallery in downtown Manhattan. There had been no agreement between them. In fact, Katerina had not heard a single word from Anthony since he had had her dropped off at the hotel close to dawn back in Los Angeles. Katerina had screened the various invitations only briefly during her morning coffee, nursing an uncomfortable hangover that, by all means, should have been much worse. Something about the art gallery spoke to her, and it became clear to her why when she met the short, balding man once more. It is time we continue the history lesson, he said to her coldly, sitting down on a bench in the middle of the room, surrounded by modern art pieces and, to Katarina's surprise, not a single other person, not even a security guard. She joined him on the opposite side, back to back, and for a second she got the sudden urge to grab him in a chokehold, or smash the back of his head against the bench, or... The urge disappeared as quickly as it had come, however, but Anthony chuckled. Don't let the rage get to you, Sorcelle. If you have something you wish to say, say it to me now. Why did I want to go here? She muttered. I don't like art. I never have. D did you? I did nothing. He replied with what she knew was a smug smile on his lips. I may have asked a spirit friend or two to give you a nudge in this direction, but the choice was ultimately yours. You're free to leave, little one, if you wish. She did not, and he took that as a sign to continue his stories. I will be brief. No doubt some tribes make it a matter of honor to talk of historical events and their lineages, but I see little use of it. After the fall of Rome, aided by us and our kin, we thought that Christianity, the threat that it posed, would be lessened. But we were horribly wrong. It remained prevalent in the split empire and would even spread beyond its borders, although thankfully it seemed more and more interested in fighting itself and other faiths like it, although that perhaps was the first sign of the weaver's influence. Uh, yes, child, the weaver, one of the triads, I believe I mentioned them briefly before. Anyway, the weaver and organized religion go hand in hand, as absurd as it may seem, and as Christianity spread, the only thing stopping it was physical distance. Thankfully, we realized the humans couldn't build their cities everywhere, and they still feared the wolves in the forest. Our kinfolk, the Visigoths, settled in what is now Spain, the Vandals in northern Africa, and the Ostrogoths in the Western Roman Empire. The Franks brought together the northern regions, well, not Scandinavia, but only the foolish get wanted those lands, and of course in the east, the Byzantine Empire arose to rival and, in my very humble opinion, supersede the splendors of Rome. Emperor Justinian's wife, Theodora, was one of ours, and the emperor himself was kinfolk. A match made in heaven, perhaps, and these two achieved many great things, subtly guided by our tribe, of course, but alas, their empire was not to last, but that is the way of things. The Balkans were our homelands, but sadly also deeply infested with bloodsuckers. The leeches would use the Byzantine Empire to whatever ends they wanted, which of course was a grave insult to our kind. We hate the leeches just like any other tribes, Surzele, but the Tsimitsi of the Carpathians? They hold a special place of hatred in our hearts. The rise of Islam and the Arabic people was an unfortunate series of events for us because our kin were dumb enough to stand in their way. They either got assimilated or were forced to flee. Iberia, Northern Africa, they all fell to this new faith and its followers. But of course, as you learned before, we shadow lords do not fear change. We 
merely adopted the means of this new rulership to the best of our abilities and consolidated. Emperor Charlemagne was a great man for sure, history books have shown us this, mostly because he managed to unite rather large territories of land before his death. While impressive, it didn't necessarily last for very long after that, but he does hold a bittersweet spot in our hearts. Because with his conquest, and its eventual dissolution, the Holy Roman Empire would come into existence, and there, child, was born one of our most despised enemies, one of the biggest stains to our uh, tribe, a man who earned the enmity of all of the Shadow Lords. The Crusades that came in between his birth and the fall of Charlemagne's empire are of little note to us. They achieved close to nothing, except perhaps by indirectly importing vast amounts of knowledge from the Islamic world to the Christian. Complex mathematics, philosophy, poetry and such would be sown in the soil of Europe to slowly blossom into what would become the Renaissance, so I suppose we have that to show for all the blood that was spilled. The Mongol horde that followed not too long after the Crusades were impressive, I'll give them that. In fact, they were more than that. Our tribe learned much from their ferocious tactics and mentality, and indeed we were already familiar with them, considering how we had expanded our kin into the east. But to witness it firsthand. Sometimes I feel a sting of jealousy for the vampires who live to witness these things. But it passes quickly. Gaia wishes for us to live short, brutal and honest lives, and who are we to question her? Are, are we not capable of becoming vampires? Katerina asked, realizing there was more to this than what Antony was telling her. He gave her a scrutinizing look before he shrugged. There are rumors that such creatures exist, but they are surely twisted and rotten to the core. They must wish for a swift death, and if they do not, they are worse off than we thought. Regardless, the Mongolian invasion eventually ended, like all wars do, but in its wake it left a large amount of refugees, quite a number of them being Turkish. And they banded together, forming eventually the Ottoman Empire, against which the Holy Roman Empire, which of course was none of those things, that is to say it was not holy, Roman, or really an empire, uh, to create an order of knights to help defend their borders against the Ottoman Turks. One of these knights was Vlad Rakul. Now our kin, as it were, had little love for the Turks. Yet another empire of many who wanted to trample them, and thus they cherished the idea of this draconic knight protecting them. Well, it turned out to be a mistake, as I am sure you can guess. Vlad Tepes, the son of Dracul, was ransomed at an early age by the Turks, as was common amongst noble families at the time, and received quite an education with them. However, when his father was assassinated, he hunted down the killers, with the helps of the Turks, and then proceeded to plot his revenge against the Turks. And Vlad Tepes, it would turn out, was a man capable of great cruelty. Katerina, who had been listening closely up to this point, finally let out a grunt of disbelief. Vlad Tepes? Dracula? The same Dracula that's in the movies? On serial cartons? Come on, Anthony, you don't expect me to. The very same, Katerina. He turned to look at her, a tired expression on his face. I have never met the man myself, but I have been told that he is still alive. Well, that he still exists, and that despite all the blood our tribe has shed to have him destroyed, it has all been for naught. We supported Dracula once. Indeed, when he stood up against the Ottoman Empire, we fell in behind him. Our goal had always been to protect Gaia, after all, and the less empires of humanity to cut down her trees, to dig up her mountains and to pollute her rivers, 
the better. This was of course before he was turned into a vampire, I would assume. I've even been told that he was supposedly kin to us, distant as that may be, but I put no stock in such rumors. Unlike certain other tribes, we have kept fairly good tabs on who are of our kind, and I highly doubt that a nobleman such as him would have escaped our notice. Vlad's war against the Turks initially turned out to be quite successful, no doubt partly due to our involvement, but the Sultan of the Ottoman Empire, Mehmed II, felt it a personal insult that the lord of a small region like Wallachia would cost his empire so many victories. So what came after that was a full-blown invasion, which resulted of course in the death of many of our kin, a large amount of them by the hands of Vlad the Impaler himself. I am not certain exactly when, in history, the son of the dragon became a leech himself, but surely at that time the monstrous nature of his vampiric blood must have overtaken him, for he spared none if it meant it would help him save his own life. We had unwittingly aided this beast hoping that it would bring our kin peace and prosperity, but instead misery and death became their companions. Ultimately, Wallachia became a vassal state of the Ottomans, which was significantly better than serving under a man who had become increasingly obsessed with impalements of all kind, and Vlad disappeared from history. Mostly. We are supposed to have destroyed him in 1475, but as you no doubt realize, the writings of Bram Stoker must have come from somewhere, and while our more prideful family members will never admit it, it's quite possible we failed in destroying him. I have uh, little to say about the Renaissance. It led to more efficient warfare, an easier spreading of knowledge amongst humans, but to us Garou it had little worth or impact. Our Balkan homelands were relatively stable and prosperous under the Ottomans for a while, and while our kin cared little for it, the stability it brought, for even the leeches were firmly kept in place by their betters, it of course wasn't going to last. With the so-called Enlightenment and the Age of Exploration right before it, our already weakened grip over humanity became looser still. They armed themselves with knowledge, with reason and with conviction. Nation-states began to grow up like mushrooms, technological discoveries became more and more common, and as we see today, that trend has never really stopped. Around the year you were born, our household had one cellular phone, and I recall playing a game Snake, perhaps it was, on it. Now each individual has at least one, and they have the computing power many times what a household stationery had back then. A frightening thing, this weaver's obsession with efficiency. When I was your age, my mentor taught me about the good we did by traveling with the Spaniards and getting rid of the worm taint that had plagued the so-called pure lands of Southern America. Now I personally know very little about that, I'm not a historian, and I trust our historians only slightly less than I trust the human ones. Still, I was told of systematic institutionalized human sacrifice and cannibalism, and that this is something we supposedly put a stop to. Was this worth the extermination of these cultures, the theft of their culture and property? I cannot answer that. I believe it is up to your heart to find the answer to it, one that will fit you. Our actions are often harshly judged in the light of hindsight, but judged they ought to be. And bear in mind to our ancestors, the acceptance of similar methods when they were practiced by Vlad the Impaler led to great suffering of our kin, and to Gaia so I would presume they were a little more eager to put a stop to ritualistic mass murder. 
Ugh, girl, I find myself trying to justify these horrors despite myself. The long and short of it was that our ancestors concluded that the easiest way to fix this issue was through killing and destroying the offenders. But reform was never on the table. Anthony got up, stretched and grunted. We will meet again, in the rafters of the Opera House of Sydney. You need to get in there undetected through whichever means you wish to employ, and when you are there, I will tell you of our greatest sin. And perhaps some more about our society. Katerina simply stared at him. How am I supposed to... You will find a way, Sorcelle. He smiled at her, even though his eyes were not smiling. I'm sure of it. The four grandchildren of Cain wait patiently for the time of judgment to arise. Snow, wise beyond his years and powerful in his compassion. Bambi Parsons, a leader with an unbreakable will. Prozion, who has been reborn as a god amongst Cain's angels. And Dugal, whose thirst for blood is matched only by his strength of will. Their childer, the Methuselah, control our every move through their timeless jihad. They are Her Satanic Majesty Danny, whose mere presence chills the heart, Maximilian S. Hardcastle, a tutor and master of the jihad, Socrates Johnson, a masterful craftsman of stories, Lauren Eason, a trustworthy ally and friend, and Alexander Kanehurst, ever-inquisitive explorer of the world of darkness. On the Council of the Primogen are seated Edward Reed, Colin Gifford, Zero Six, Ian Nichols, The Black Friar, Ravenfang, Pilgrim, Geta Mathrox, The Autumn Alchemist, and Michelle Light, wise leaders and of good judgment. We would also wish to welcome to the Primogen Council Brandon Hunter Hayden and Dark Red Roses. We are thankful for your support and your wise contributions to our esteemed council. This week the council would wish to thank the elder Lily of the North Star for her continued loyalty and service to our cause, as well as the Ancilia Yudan who has ever remained a loyal and staunch supporter and a wellspring of knowledge in the Garu matters. Naturally, all our elders, Ancilla and neonates receive our gratitude from the bottoms of our hearts. Without your support, this would not be possible. And thank you for watching. The full moon rises and Gaia's warriors strike out into the night. Tremble, servants of the Wyrm.